Hey there, Buffalo Bills fans. Welcome back to another episode of the Believe Podcast here on the Buffalo Rumblings family of podcasts. We are so thankful, uh, given that this is the season of gratitude. Uh, we just had Thanksgiving, uh, the Christmas holiday season's right around the corner. And what better way to celebrate, to get in the holiday spirit, than talking about those depressing Buffalo Bills with myself, John Boccasino. And my fair-skinned ginger colleague and good buddy, Jamie D'Amico. Jamie, let me be the last to wish you a happy Thanksgiving. Well, thank you. And while we're giving thanks, I want to give a, a, a heap load of thanks to one of our loyal listeners, Joseph Goho, who actually, not only has he repeatedly said that listening to us, we're amongst his favorite listens out there, but he actually wrote something so nice about me personally that I shared it with my mom. <laughs> what, what, that's okay. how moved I was by it. So because I can't allow you to heap praise on yourself via Twitter and, and X, I will read uh, Joseph's post here. And we listen, Joe is great because he constantly engages with our audience I know there's people that like and don't like what we do, who agree and disagree with our takes. We really want to hear from you. Be like Joe. Get involved with the Believe podcast on Twitter. Jamie is at the Jamie D'Amico. I am at John Boccasino. Here is what one Joseph Goho said late last night. So, you know, he's had the, the, the benefit of, you know, maybe he's fatigued. Maybe he's exhausted from these four-hour swim meets. Uh, that he goes to um, a loyal, uh, loyal, a supporter of Wheaton College Athletics and the Buffalo Bills. But Joseph said, Jamie, I love your understated approach when you casually drop little bombs of not so obvious insight and thought provoking questions, usually without a clear cut one sided answer. Fans hear both sides and can decide on their own. You have to pay attention during pods because you're smooth. Is that what you told your mom, buddy? That's what I told my mom. <laughs> That's 100% correct. And uh, I want to point something out here that was said about me, not you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Listen, I, I prefaced that by saying this was, mm -hmm. you know, a compliment for the Jamie D'Amico, um, who is an, uh, the better half here of the Believe podcast. I can yeah, be I John the optimist. He's Jamie the negative slash realist. And, uh, you know, you you tell it like it is, and that's that's cool to hear the praise from one of our loyal listeners. I just want to reiterate that was said about me, not you. Loud and clear, buddy. <laughs> I playing, feel like we're man. in this weird loop where it's like it's stuck on repeat, and somehow we can't get off of the repeat, so we're gonna keep going down the same rabbit hole. So, Jamie, who was the compliment for? Oh, that was me. Really. Me, Jamie, the Jamie D'Amico. Yes, that's the Jamie D'Amico on X. You can follow him for some <laughs> well thought out Buffalo Bills takes here on the Billy podcast. <laughs> OK, I'm done with that one. OK, OK, we, we can <laughs> I, move I, forward. I can just now. imagine your head growing like 10 times bigger uh, during the, book, the reading of that anymore. post. <laughs> And really, we want to hear from the Believe listeners out there. If you like what we have to say, if you don't like what we have to say, if you want to challenge, 
one of our opinions or you want to get involved in the dialogue. We are on X, Twitter, whatever the hell you want to call it. Again, the Jamie D'Amico and John Boccasino. This week's topic is one of those that has been stewing, uh, ruminating, really percolating within myself and a lot of Bill's Mafia ever since the latest in a long line of soul-crushing losses suffered by the 2023 Buffalo Bills. And that happens to be Sean McDermott, the head coach of the Buffalo Bills, his standing with the Bills, uh, his future with the Bills, how hot the seat he is on, uh, whether he's holding this team back. You know, Jamie, it's one of those things where I feel like the Bills are squandering, especially last week, peak vintage elite Josh Allen. I mean, the fact that, you know, the Bills were the first team in 40 years to roll up 500 plus yards of offense, have 10 or more third down conversions and win the turnover battle and lose the game. It's mind boggling the amount of ways we find for Sean McDermott to take this Bills team and find a way to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. Yeah, that was a tough one, right? Because there were so many ways in which the Bills could have won that game and barely snuck out with a loss. It, that that was a that was a particularly tough game because it's not a game that I thought the Bills were going to win, and then they should have. And that's what makes it so frustrating is they should have won a game that both you and I before the season said, yeah, they're not going to win this one, and there they had it. And then it was a Billsy ass loss, right? Is Billsy in the dictionary yet? Because it needs to be. I think that's going to turn out being the 2023 Merriam Webster word of the year, uh, Billsy, because it's finding, again, these new ways to just lose games that they should win. And I, you know, I, I get people who, you know, there, there's, it seems like there's a couple of schools of camp out there with the game that just took place. Well, the Bills should have won, but they went toe-to-toe with the best team in the league, arguably, uh, in their turf, in miserable conditions. The Bills' defense is banged up and blah, blah, blah. And I agree that the Bills played their asses off, and a lot should be commended for how the team played. But when you have a lead, especially on the road, when you have a 24-14 to lead, when you have Josh orchestrating a brilliant two-minute drive to give this team the lead again uh, in the last two minutes of regulation, you expect to win those games. And yet again, Sean McDermott found a way to not put his guys in the right position to close off a close game. Jamie, it's a troubling trend. It's it's one of those things where, and, and there's a lot of complexity to what this week's pod is going to talk about. But again, we're here on Bill Eve discussing Sean McDermott the fate of Buffalo's head coach and whether the bills should make a coaching change. And I want you to unpack each of those in due time, but I want to leave one stat with you that will segue into our conversation about Sean McDermott this year under the brilliance of Josh Allen, the Buffalo bills have marched downfield for either a tying score or a go ahead score in the last two minutes of regulation four times against the Jets, against the Patriots, against the Broncos, and against the Eagles. The Bills lost all four of those games. 
And what do you make of that? Oh, what do I make of that? Yeah, I'm leaving it up for you, buddy. This is a two-way conversation. Okay. Um, so th- I think this is what I take from it. I think that what you're seeing are the chinks in the armor of Sean McDermott, the head coach and defensive coordinator combined. And what do I mean by that? Well, we have seen that Sean McDermott is not the greatest when it comes to game management. And it's something that he's improved at immensely since he took over the Buffalo Bills as head coach. But I think when you are trying to manage the game and call the defense, it becomes it becomes a bigger challenge. And this is not the kind of thing that I feel like if there was somebody to share the duties with, there might I, I, I feel like there there's great potential for the outcome to be different. Now, why is it happening this way that he is doing both? Well, you had Leslie Frazier resign kind of late in the offseason. And let's face it, when you're looking at the rest of the game, I think this Sean McDermott defense has been playing well above expectations. With the number of injuries they've had to key players, they are still keeping the Bills in games. The Bills haven't lost a game by more than six points this year. I mean, they are keeping it close. Even when they lose, it's like they're they're within spitting distance of winning. Yes, there's frustration here, but this is a symptom of them not having a defensive coordinator to call the plays while McDermott manages the game. I feel, and Jamie, those are incredibly valid points there. And and you you leaked into the overarching theme of the Sean McDermott tenure in that right now, this year, he's in over his head. He has too much on his plate. He has too many responsibilities. I mean, calling, being the CEO, which is what a head coach in the NFL does, is a hard enough responsibility to begin with. There's a reason mm-hmm. you don't have many coaches who also take on the play calling duties on either side of the ball. And I will agree what the bills defense has done has been nothing less than remarkable. Given the fact of who they are missing in Matt Milano, Daquan Jones, Trey white, who they have missed for spurts during the time of the year this year in Greg Rousseau, Christian Benford, Dane Jackson. I mean, the bills have been the walking wounded on defense And the offense for the longest time was the problem. It was the problem. Mm -hmm. They couldn't get up. They couldn't score points when they needed to. They were fully assembled. So McDermott made, I give McDermott kudos for making the change. He had to make a change after the Broncos game. And I know saying that is a little bit ridiculous because if the Bills had somehow won that game against Denver, Ken Dorsey would still be the offensive coordinator. They wouldn't have fired Dorsey after the win. Dorsey was a scapegoat who was kicked to the curb by McDermott because McDermott's not going to fire himself. He's not going to say, oh, it's my fault. And to, to the defense's credit, they played incredibly well against that Broncos team. And they played incredibly well against the Jets. And for the first half, they contained Jalen Hurts and one of the best offenses in the league. But the troubling trends, Jamie, that I mentioned with that 0-4 stat, what it really gets at for me is this team 
and by team, I mean Sean McDermott, has a troubling tendency to go into the prevent mode or to, instead of preventing the other team from scoring, it prevents you from winning. They allow mm-hmm. teams to go for big chunk plays between the 20-yard lines, to go to the sidelines. I mean, Jalen Hurts in the first half was pedestrian. And then mm-hmm. Jalen Hurts in the second half is the all-pro world-beater quarterback that he's proven to be with this Eagles squad. And I think all of that has to fall on McDermott not putting his team in the right position to win. And I'll punctuate that point, Jamie. Did you see the quotes out there from the Eagles offensive lineman, um, mm-hmm. Maliuta or Maniuta? He goes, when the Bills lined up on the play in overtime, that led to Jalen Hurts doing the quarterback draw for the touchdown. He goes, as soon as they lined up in that cover zero scheme, we knew this play was going for a touchdown. And that was only exacerbated when Micah Hyde went in motion to keep up with DeAndre Swift, the running back who had gone in motion uh, going away from the play. If the other team knows that you're going to line up in a way that their play is going to work and your play is going to fail, this is not the first time that's been said this year about a McDermott coach defense. And that to me, Jamie, amongst everything I've just ranted about, about the defense playing out of their minds, minus all these injured players, they're doing their part. They're not getting favors from the coach who it feels like has lost his sense of preparation for what other teams' tendencies are going to be. Well, it's very difficult to argue any of those points. And yeah, that that quote was very damning. Now, I'm going to take the other side of this argument and say, yes, that was a bad call by McDermott. And and let's let's talk about what he did wrong there. Trying to ice the kicker, calling the timeout. Oh, good Lord. (laughs) Calling the timeout when... uh, when he was hoping that they were going to look at the play and there's when basically the incomplete pass to AJ Brown, he called a timeout hoping that they would have long enough to look at it, change their minds. Okay. Well, that didn't happen. And then you kneel on the ball or you, you, you kneel with the ball with 20 seconds left. If you had those three timeouts, you've got Josh Allen, who's having a great day you put yourself in field goal position. Okay. Terrible. However, Even if, and Jamie, hold on one second, one second. Um, I, uh, and, and you are completely valid again in pointing out the timeouts and the game management issues. And I want to talk about that sequence at the end of the game, but I don't even fault McDermott for the timeout on the formation when he was trying to go out there and, you know, see what the Eagles were going to offer and see what he had on the field. I don't blame him for that timeout as much as I do. It is ludicrous to call a timeout when a kicker and the special teams is literally rushing onto the field in sopping rainy conditions to call a timeout to allow them to regather themselves is inexplicable. That to me, there's no defense for that timeout right there. I don't care about, oh, we wanted to ice the kicker. Bullshit. You ice the kicker by making him rush up and be uncomfortable and get out of his rhythm, not Mm -hmm. giving him time to get set and get comfortable 
in a cadence, which is exactly what the timeout allowed them to do. I agree with that. I, I absolutely agree with that. And he fell down there. However, I do want to point out that there's two things that play into this. One of which is the decisions made by the coaches. And yes, sometimes you can coach your way to a victory. But the players also have to play their way to a victory. And due to player mistakes, the Bills left 10 points on the field and potentially a game-winning touchdown at the beginning of the at the beginning of overtime in which as i mentioned to you off the air you saw that that throw from Josh Allen to Gabe Davis that fell incomplete when they put the camera on Joe Brady you could see his soul leave his body it was <laughs> it was the poor guy he's like we won oh we didn't um and that was let's, a let's talk about that play for a second, Jamie. Yeah. Let's okay. Let's, let's talk, talk about, about that. that because I I want to get your take on this because it feels like and 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 just to expand upon again the the incredible salient points you made. The Bills left so many points on the field, and I'm not even look. I don't even want to go down the rabbit hole with the referees. They were terrible. There's really but nothing to be said about that. No, there really isn't because the Bills have no, no one but themselves to blame for the loss. You could say, oh, well, the horse collar would have been first and goal. Well, you know what? Tough shit. Make the play. Like, mm-hmm. these, th- this type of stuff happens all the time. And when you're on the road, you're going to get calls that go against you. It's and just we say all the time that you have to take the refs out of the game. And this is one of those games where you had to beat the Eagles and the refs. It happens. These are the Bills. They don't get calls. Well, Recently, they've been getting a lot of questionable roughing the passer calls going their way, but still. Yeah, and, and Bills, exactly. You don't rely on the refs helping. That late hit that the Bills did get the benefit for the roughing the passer was egregious. I mean, it wasn't as egregious as the Hassan Reddick tackling Josh Allen and, you know, by the jersey that should have been a horse collar. But again, that's an example of you leave things to chance when it comes with the referees, you mm-hmm. need to make it so that it can't be that way. It just, you, you have to win the games yourselves. So this play though, in overtime, much has been made about, Oh, it's Gabe Davis's fault for going the wrong way from making the wrong read on that play where Josh thinks he's going to cut back towards the middle of the field. And instead Gabe cuts towards the end zone. The more I watch replays, the more I watch people on Twitter talk about the play, the less I believe this is Gabe Davis's fault on this one. What Correct. do you think? I, I'm 100% agreement. And even in the moment, I did not think that that was on Gabe Davis. For the, the, the lone fact that the defender had inside leverage, Gabe Davis had two steps on him and a guy was to his inside hip, you go away from the defender in that situation. And listen to what Josh Allen said. He was under pressure. He guessed and he guessed wrong. Like that's sometimes what happens when you're facing a blitz and you've got to throw the ball sooner than you want to throw it. It was just one of those things. And with an option route, which that was occasionally you're not going to be on the same page quarterback and receiver It's no one's 
fault per se, but if you have to place blame, it's probably going to be on the QB because he didn't have that extra second to see where Davis was going with the ball or get a good read on the positioning of the defender. It's okay. And you know what? I love that Josh Allen stood up there and took the blame for it. You know, that's what that's what a QB should do in that situation, even if it was Gabe Davis's fault, which I, I don't think there's any way it was. Yeah. Oh, absolutely not. And and I'm going to give some praise to one of the Buffalo rumblings competitor sites, but I don't care. He does a phenomenal job with the video breakdown. If you're not following Eric Turner on Twitter, he talks about exactly what we're going through here when it comes to Josh having less time because of the blitz, the blitz really threw Josh for a loop. And it was a 50, 50 proposition on this play and I think Josh was really expecting the cornerback to go with Gabe and make it so that the outside play was not the option and the inside play was. And if you watch all the highlights and you watch the breakdown of it, this literally, it's not Gabe's fault. Josh made a gut reaction. He had such a small amount of time to think about this. The people that want to throw Gabe Davis over a bridge for this one, I think you're just wrong. I think it was just one of those unfortunate plays where again what is a blitz meant to do in this situation and this is something we should talk to Sean McDermott about too because in this situation the Eagles did a smart call by bringing the all-out blitz in this situation the all-out blitz you're getting pressure on Josh Allen and you're making him make a rushed decision when are times to not call an all-out blitz when a team hypothetically the Denver Broncos let's say are out of field goal range and the only things that can happen with the all-out blitz, in my opinion there, are you get a sack and you push them even further out or something terrible and horrific happens. That's what happened versus the Broncos. That's what happened on the game-winning touchdown run by Jalen Hurts. It's another example of Sean McDermott getting out-coached. And I hate to bring it back to that, but Jamie, all of this, as you can tell, has been really festering in me uh, since the game on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Going back to what I was talking about, Players have to make a place. And when you leave 10 points on the field and you have that miscommunication, that's potentially 17 points. Bill score those 10 points when you've got two missed field goals. One was blocked because he kicked it too low. And then you had the James Cook drop. I mean, it's not even a game at that point. Bills win handily if they make those two field goals and score that touchdown that, that Cook dropped. I... I realize that coaches have to make good decisions, but at the same time, you can't absolve the players from the physical mistakes that they're making because, I mean, it, it takes an entire organization to win. And there were enough mistakes from both the coaches and the players that the game didn't go their way. And still, it could have gone their way against probably the best team in the NFL this season. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
that's what really makes this so frustrating in this conversation is it comes out of desperation uh, in my mind, Jamie. The, the, and I, I, I want to make this transition, this segue here on Bill Eve. And I apologize to Bill's Mafia and Bill Eve listeners if I'm a little bit all over the place with my rants. Jamie's doing a very good job of coherently putting the arguments. I'm trying to express the frustration um, that Bill's fans are feeling. But I want to take you on a little bit of a hypothetical journey, if you'll bear with me. Okay. On Sean McDermott's future with the Buffalo Bills, because I I'm going to give you a little anecdote, Jamie, that I'm not sure if you um, saw this, but I posted on uh, social that I and this is on Monday. So I let myself stew and simmer over the loss on Sunday night and Monday morning and Monday afternoon. It was still kind of percolating what we had just witnessed and I was kind of processing everything and I had seen a lot of Bill's Mafia reacting to what had happened in the moment. I wanted to react with the benefit of, of hindsight, with thinking and analysis and not just the gut reaction that is so prevalent on social media. People are so quick to want to tar and feather and fire Sean McDermott. Mm-hmm. I went from wanting Sean McDermott to be fired for those coaching mistakes to a kind of an epiphany that I think he deserves one more chance. And I say this under the caveat, I and there's a great article that Tim Graham wrote on The Athletic, the Bills are not going to fire Sean McDermott during the middle of the season. Like, they're just not going to do that. That is a characteristic of Terry mm-hmm. Pagula, and it's also atypical. If, if they do that, you're splintering the relationship with Brandon Bean, and you risk losing the general manager who has orchestrated the greatest run of Bill's teams in 20 plus years. So I come to realize, and correct me if you think I'm wrong or off base, the Bills are not going to fire Sean McDermott during the season. And I don't think they should fire him this off season. Do you want me to explain or do you want to chime in a little bit there? I would like to chime in here because that is exactly how I feel. Since 2019, the Bills have the second best winning percentage in all of the major sports in the United States. And I know that there are places where McDermott has fallen down. We can look at you know the 13 seconds, which will forever haunt me because that was probably the best any Bills team has ever played was those Bills in the playoffs. And it's frustrating. I get that. But as an organization, you don't that kind of winning and break it up unless you have good reason to. And I point to the Philadelphia Eagles firing a guy who is a surefire Hall of Famer in Andy Reid as their head coach because they got to the NFC Championship too many times without winning. You know what? That's not a great reason to let go of a coach because you can't win the big one unless you have a much longer track record to say, okay, this guy really sucks in the clutch. And there is evidence pointing to that. But there's also other evidence saying, hey, McDermott gets his team prepared. He gets the most out of his players. I mean, you you don't take one mediocre season. And by the way, this is not a bad season. The Bills are 6-6 six and six right now. They are mediocre. And 
McDermott also had the balls to let go of his offensive coordinator during the season, and that has provided a spark. Now, Big Newt said, hey, in business they say, you, the decision you make tomorrow is the one you probably should have made yesterday. And I think we can all agree on that. But most coaches are conservative by nature, and they would have stuck it out till the end of the season. So they can say, you know what? We gave it a full season with that guy, and that's the reason that we failed this season. Place the blame over there. Nope. McDermott stepped it up and said, I'm the CEO here. I need to make a decision, and he made it. I agree with you. You don't take one down season and say they're gone. John Harbaugh, for example, had a 5-11 clunker at one point. Would you fire John Harbaugh right now? No. No way. And I think that the patience that's needed and that that again goes we've we've mentioned this before when you when it comes to fans, fans are short for fanatics. Mm-hmm. Fanatics are people in general. I don't like to make generalizations, but in general, fanatics don't think rationally. You think mm-hmm. with your head is what we need versus your heart. You need to analyze the situation and figure out. What exactly is the problem? Is it salvageable? And what do we do to move forward? And I think one of the reasons I'm going to give Sean McDermott the benefit of the doubt for at least one more year with Buffalo is exactly what you said. He made the right decision, the prudent decision, the maybe it's not too late decision to terminate, to relieve Ken Dorsey of his offensive coordinator duties, a move that was 10 games too late. But there's still time in the season. And that's the thing, Jamie, about all of this. As frustrated as we are, and the Bills should have several more wins in the win column, to quote Bill Parcells, they are what their record is, Mm -hmm. and the Bills are a 6-6 and team. However, if, I know we have to go one game at a time, but Bills fans should be elated by what they have seen from the offense under Joe Brady. It's taken tremendous steps forward in these last two games. If the defense can play like they've been playing, depleted as they have been, the Bills are going to be very dangerous over the last five games. And I'm not saying this is going to be the case, but a striking parallel for this Bills team is the Aaron Rodgers team and the Green Bay Packers in, I believe, 2011. They were a middling 500 level team going into the third, the final third of the season, and then caught fire, went on a tear, and won the Super Bowl. If the Bills can put together the worst case, they need to go is four and one. I think I read if they went four and one, the one loss was to Dallas, the rest were in the AFC, the victories. They had like a 70% chance to make the playoffs. And if they go five and oh, their chances skyrocket to 97 because in that scenario, the Bills could still win the division. The Dolphins have three very tough games coming up with the Ravens, the Cowboys, and the Buffalo Bills. So that is all a long-winded way of saying this is going to be a show-me month for Sean McDermott and the Buffalo Bills, but much to the chagrin of people who think he needs to be fired, McDermott ain't going anywhere this year, and I think he deserves one more year next year bring in a proper defensive coordinator 
don't have Sean calling defensive plays and being the head coach. Give Joe Brady another year to really work within this Bills offense. We have seen some revelations by Buffalo's offense these last two weeks. And give credit to what the Bills offense did in the slop fest in Philadelphia. They put Mm -hmm. up 500 plus yards on one of the best defenses in the league. I mean, this is not a team mired in mediocrity. It's a team that keeps shooting itself in the foot repeatedly. And I do want to point out to, to that is that the Bills offensive line actually didn't have a very good day because they were out physicaled at the point of the attack at the point of attack by the Eagles and that's not a coaching thing. That's a talent thing. And they still put up that amount of offense. And to your other point, three years ago, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were six and six at the same point in the season and won the Super Bowl. You can get on track at this point because Rich Eisen pointed out that if these Bills get in as a seven seed, what team is going to want to play them in the playoffs? This is the kind of team with Josh Allen rounding into shape that scares the bejesus out of teams in the playoffs. This is the kind of team that, should they make it in, nobody's going to want to play because they'll be getting in by getting hot at the right time of the season. This season isn't lost. And for all the mistakes that he has made, when you have won as many games in the past six years as the Bills have, or five years as the Bills have, You ride it out, and you give, just like you give players an opportunity to get it right, coaches can get right too. And honestly, bringing them back next year, I I think that Joe Brady has made a great case for being made the full-time offensive coordinator, removing the interim label. And I would be very interested to see what happens when he installs his offense instead of just play calling somebody else's offense. I I think that there's reason to believe that you'll see yet another improvement there. So yeah, I think you got to ride it out this season. And let me address this one thing. There seems to be a strong contingency on social media that wants to see McDermott fired and Joe Brady made the head coach. Have you seen that? I, I have, and I have to watch my gag reflex every time I come across one of those posts because that is just the hottest of shit takes, in my opinion. Oh, my God, yes. I totally <laughs> agree with you. Why is it that you would feel comfortable relieving a coach of his duties who has had an unbelievable winning percentage in favor of a guy who, in the NFL, has been an offensive coordinator for a bottom feeder team and lost his job before the season was over. And he has only coached two or three games as an offensive coordinator for the Buffalo Bills. What are the qualifications? Like what tells you that this guy is ready to be a coach? I'm <laughs> hoping he can be a good offensive coordinator. I think he, I think he definitely can be a good offensive. Co- I think people that, And again, I don't give too much credibility to those takes of Joe Joe Brady should be the new head coach. But I think the people that if I had to get inside their heads, which, oh, I don't want to. um, But I feel like it's because they've read a lot about the work that he did with Joe Burrow at LSU. And that is to be commended. 
but college football and Joe Burrow and the LSU team in that wide open SEC is not the same beast as the NFL. In college, everybody's open. Everybody throws for 500 yards. Everybody has prolific offenses. Joe Brady has potential to be a really creative offensive mind as an offensive coordinator, but he is not the head coach in waiting. He is not the person that should be taking over for Sean McDermott, in my humble opinion. And Jamie, not yet. I mean, he's got, he'll have time. He deserves that opportunity to, but I want to pivot to one more McDermott question for you. And this is another one of those topics I've seen a lot on social media. And here's the topic. People are saying that one of the reasons McDermott should be fired is because he's peaked. That as a head coach, he's the guy you bring in for a losing team. He cleans house. He changes the culture. He brings in hardworking guys. And he has a peak. And his peak is not to win the Super Bowl, but to get a team competitive for the playoffs. What do you take about that take? That's hard to know, right? And to say that coaches one and not the other is, I mean, that's very difficult. There, there are not a lot of Super Bowl winning coaches, right? So I, I would think that if you can turn around the fortunes of a franchise, you probably have what it takes to win the last couple games of the season, right? So I, I don't know if, I, I don't know if, I can label him a Marty Schottenheimer type who absolutely chokes when, when the playoffs roll around Uh, there, you know, obviously by bringing up Schottenheimer there, there are guys that, that can do that. But, you know, I also think that we as bills fans tend to watch more Buffalo bills than other teams. And if you were say a, an LA Chargers fan, you would see what bad coaching actually looks like. Do you remember a couple of years ago when the Bills played the Chargers and I sat there the entire game going, how does Anthony Lynn have a job as a head coach? What the hell is he doing out there? <laughs> uh, occasionally you question what McDermott does, but not every game, not every decision. Like, for example, against the Chargers, the Chargers called a timeout on like, it was like fourth and three midfield. They call a timeout and then they punt it. What the <laughs> hell is that? <laughs> at, at that point, during timeouts. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. And I'm like, how does this guy have a job if he does that kind of thing regularly? And Chargers fans are like, oh yeah, it's every game. He does that three or four times. So, their current head coach, which is a guy who I root really hard for because we both attended the University of Dayton, Brandon Staley, he's just, he's not a good coach. I mean, he costs his team probably four wins a year. And I, you know, that's what bad coaching looks like. If you're not the best coach in the NFL when it comes to game management, it still doesn't mean you can't be a winner and you can't win a Super Bowl. Yeah, I think people need to take a beat, take a breath when it comes to McDermott. I get your frustrations. I just gave you, you know, my little personal odyssey of going through the emotions and thinking things out. And I feel like like we've both talked about here, but it's not like McDermott has lost the locker room. It's not like mm-hmm. McDermott has lost 
the players. They're still fighting hard. They're still scrapping. Some of them out there are, are they're giving their blood, sweat and tears, you know, for this team. They take it personally as they should. And I think that the, the termination of Ken Dorsey lit a fire under the offense, the spark, if you will, that hopefully can bring reminiscent memories of Tom Brady and the Buccaneers from a couple years mm-hmm. ago, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers from 12 plus years ago, because the season is not lost. It's on life support. Mm-hmm. but it's not lost and they have opportunities in front of them. Jamie, thank God this is the bye week. Cause I, I couldn't deal with the bills playing a game on Sunday. I, I need a week to recuperate. <laughs> I'm so glad you said that because I really needed the week off myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully this has been a little bit of a cathartic experience, a little bit of a therapeutic experience for, for Jamie and for myself and for our listeners here on the Believe podcast. Once again, if you want to get involved with the loquacious, thought-provoking Jamie D'Amico, he is on <laughs> social media at the Jamie D'Amico. Uh, I am at John Boccasino as well. Jamie, I'm sorry, what'd you say there, buddy? I said I don't know what loquacious means. <laughs> That's your homework assignment. Look up loquacious. We <laughs> okay. you whether you agree with that opinion or not. <laughs> you like that buddy, buddy? i gave you a homework fun. assignment here on the bill eve podcast yeah screw you for giving me homework but anyway i i, <laughs> I accept and this has been a lot of fun i'm i'm glad we talked about mcdermott got some of the frustration out but i i like that we both landed in the same place which is dude gets a mulligan if this season doesn't go well oh absolutely he deserves a mulligan and you know, I, yeah, we've gone over all the reasons why uh, Jamie and I, we've put our thoughts together. By the way, Jamie, I will I will spoil your homework assignment. Loquacious is one who talks a great deal, is very talkative, and you're never at a loss for words. So I feel like you stepped up to the bell with that theme this week on the podcast. And as always, you gave your opinions. And uh, we want to hear Bill's fans' opinions, too. So please don't be strangers on social media. We love to interact with our loyal listeners. We will be back next weekend getting you ready for the Bills Chiefs in Arrowhead. It feels like it's an Arrowhead every single year. We'll talk about the matchups. We'll talk about any sort of fallout from the Von Miller fiasco. But we wanted to clear our heads and be therapeutic this week. Jamie, thanks as always, buddy, for your thoughts. Hey, uh, I'd be nothing without you, John Boccasino. Nothing. I almost feel like you were at a loss for words right there. <laughs> oh, that, my, my loquacity failed me. <laughs> you see, Bill's Mafia, if you listen to our podcast, if nothing, you come away knowing a definition to at least one word that might make you a little bit smarter. We've done our part here on the Bill Eve podcast. Folks, have a great weekend. Listen to the podcast. Go support all the Buffalo Rumblings podcasts and go Bills. <laughs>